It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Hanley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. The Boston Globe's Medagoki and NHPR's Josh Rogers are here with us to discuss the week's top headlines. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Rick. Let's start with what's been happening on the New Hampshire primary trail. Multiple groups are targeting Democratic voters uh, in the state, asking them to switch their party affiliation ahead of the presidential primary. Josh, what are these groups hoping for? Well, New Hampshire has an open presidential primary, which means uh, if you're an independent or undeclared voter, you can pick uh, which primary you want to cast a ballot in. And uh, if you're a Republican or Democrat, you can only uh, vote in your own party's primary. And so there are efforts afoot, and and this takes place um, most election cycles to woo undeclared voters to, um, to vote. What's a little bit different this year is that there are actually efforts to induce Democratic voters to undeclare so as they can participate in the Republican primary. Uh, two political action committees associated with New Jersey Governor Chris Christie have been particularly aggressive in trying to get Democrats to uh, undeclare in hopes that uh, they will vote for Christie or really against Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, with you know, And Christie has a vehement anti-Trump message. He's really the lone candidate taking that route. Um, and so they're hoping to pick up votes that way. It ought to be said, you know, based on polling, uh, Christie might need that sort of support because he's not doing too well with, you know, GOP regular uh, voters. Um, so there's that effort. And you can if you have a mailbox um, in New Hampshire, you may have seen many mail pieces from these two political action committees. And there's another separate effort uh, by linked outfits. They're called Primary Pivot and Primary Power. They're also peddling a message to Democrats to uh, dare to undeclare, as they put it, to vote against Trump. Their message is explicitly vote against Trump in the hopes of weakening him and defeating him in open primary states, uh, first New Hampshire and then, you know, uh, Virginia and Georgia later on. um, They say he needs to be stopped. So, Josh, are, are Democrats responding to this messaging at all? Uh, well, it's hard to know. I mean, I talked to uh, I talked to some city and town clerks in the Secretary of State's office, and they they don't report a surge in registration changes. You know, today is the last day to do so, so that potentially that could come. Um, you know, there are some Democrats, uh, somewhat prominent ones. Uh, former Party Chair George Bruno, for instance, has sort of endorsed the efforts of the Primary Pivot Group, and he is in fact undeclared with the intention of voting in the Republican primary against Trump. Uh, other Seasoned Democrats, Kathy Sullivan, and other former Democratic Party chairs urged Democrats to resist these entreaties, noting that, um, that A, Joe Biden is actually the only candidate in the race who has beaten Trump. And, you know, also making the argument that, uh, you know, the New Hampshire primary shouldn't be uh, kind of gamified by these kinds of uh, mm-hmm. efforts. And, um, you know, we'll see. It will be a tall order. I mean, the the typically... About three percent of voters switch their registration from um, from cycle to cycle, and so the likelihood you're going to get a surge and to really eat into Trump's lead, assuming the polling is correct, would take a lot of Democrats to, right. to make this work. Yeah, and, and national and state polls showing Donald Trump far ahead, as you said, of the other candidates on on the Republican side. Now you're in New Hampshire. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley has risen to second place, a distant second place, Josh. But tell us more about Haley's strategy in the Granite State. Well, some of it is about simple presence. Uh, Nikki Haley's uh, been here a lot. I think she's done 50-plus campaign stops in New Hampshire, and she's certainly conservative really across the spectrum on the issues, but not, uh, you know, as aggressively sort of provocative. I mean, it's kind of a traditional Republican message. Um, She is... 
Um, she says she's unapologetically pro-life, for instance, but she says she doesn't want to um, she doesn't want to demonize the issue of abortion and is not espousing sort of hardline attitudes on the right. issue in New Hampshire, which you know is smart given the Republican electorate here, which polling does show. You know, most Republicans do support some form of abortion rights, and you know she's been willing to criticize Donald Trump, who she served as UN ambassador under, but uh, she's also uh, praised him, and generally she's going over well with with crowds. There's a long way way to go, but you know, as you mentioned, there have been several polls showing her in second place, and and it does seem like she is picking up steam. Um, you know, we'll see though. We have a long mm-hmm. way to go, and all of these polls show Trump with like a thirty-ish point lead, which is a vast lead. Sure is. Yeah. Moving on to the New Hampshire State House um, this week, Representative Maria Perez decided to leave the Democratic Party and is now officially listed as an independent. Uh, Amanda, can you tell us more about Perez and, and her work in the House? Yeah, absolutely. So she is serving her second term now. She represents the town of Milford in southern New Hampshire. Uh, Perez is originally from El Salvador, uh, but she left in 1986, which she said was to escape the the violence in that country and then um, also the violence in, in her family and specifically some issues of abuse that she mentioned with her father. Um, so other outlets have identified her as, as one of just three Latinos in the New Hampshire House, which, you know, like the state of New Hampshire is predominantly white. She considers herself a progressive, and so she's been pretty outspoken on issues like immigrant rights, as well as labor issues. So that includes things like opposing a Republican-backed initiative to spend $1.5 million in state money on on border issues that did eventually pass. Um, And she's also been a proponent of a $15 minimum wage. That's sort of a perennial uh, issue in New Hampshire that has never really gained any any real traction. and she said that she actually voted against the last state budget because she believed it didn't include enough funding for public schools. So that's another big issue for her. So she does seem to have a lot of progressive bona fides. What were the reasons that she gave for wanting to leave the Democratic Party? Perez essentially told me that she just clashed with party leadership. She said that her style created friction, and that is what ultimately led to her leaving. She said she feels like she's been pushed to the side and that other Democrats who are more willing to kind of get along and go along have been receiving recognition um, while she's been sidelined. And she's made some other unconventional moves, like she endorsed Democrat Marianne Williamson for president, um, while, you know, obviously much of the party has has gotten behind uh, President Biden. Um the big thing that she mentioned was she said that she's been asked to stay silent about some of the issues that are most important to her, um, like immigrant rights, and if it would hurt another Democrat's campaign. I did reach out to Democratic leadership for their response on this, and a legislative aide basically pointed to their the party's uh, record on immigrant issues. Um, they also opposed that attempt to add funding to the northern border, the 1.5 million, and helped to add notice of immigration checkpoints um, this past uh, uh, legislative session. Just briefly, Amanda, how does she, how does Perez hope to her affiliation as an independent will help her accomplish her goals? Well, so she said she's open to working with anyone, Democrat or Republican, moving forward. And she basically said that she's going to stand by her progressive ideals and that will remain unchanged. So it's 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 hard to see her sort of voting record changing significantly moving forward. Um, she, you know, said that she remains committed to supporting LGBTQ communities, supporting public education, and fighting for livable wages. 
Turning to some other news from this week, a state panel studying how New Hampshire could legalize and sell marijuana. Josh, we talk about this constantly, I know. What's the latest from this group? Well, I mean, the, the group is hoping to get a piece of legislation out of this study commission for a state control system, essentially uh, a, a state control system. No other state has that, that, that accounts for or in some ways accommodates uh, and allows uh, the current therapeutic cannabis nonprofits to um, doesn't, doesn't directly put them out of business. The idea uh, is to have a bill out that's solid enough for the legislature to consider uh, when it when it goes back into session. Um, you know, the sentiment for legalization, as we've discussed, is pretty clear in the House. Uh, the question politically is going to be the state Senate and Governor Sununu, and also really if a control state model can work. It, it's complicated. No other state has gone down that route. In the meantime, uh, New Hampshire remains the only state in New England not to have legalized recreational marijuana. And, um, you know, that's despite, you know, strong support in in, in Poland. Yeah, Josh, and, and we're expecting this, deci- this decision to be made in December. This well, I mean, the, I mean, it's going to have to. I mean, the, the bill is going to come out, and the then bill. it's going to, and then, yeah. then, you know, assuming assuming there's some sort of bill that says we can move forward, like this is going to run through the conventional committee sure. process. So it'll be one but, more time, and you know, in the year before an election year, uh, there'll be a slightly different political dynamic with Sununu, mm-hmm. you know, sort of headed on his way out. You know, does his does his position on this soften? Does he get involved? Hard to know. But there's going to be plenty more debate of this. Okay, several months to go here before we have a. a a new draft here. Stand okay. by, Rick. <laughs> the trial of Logan Clegg, a man accused of killing a married Concord couple, began this week as well. Amanda, I want to turn to you for this. You've been following this case. Can you remind us of the details? Yeah. So basically, last April of 2022, a, a couple from Concord named Stephen and just Wendy Reed were found after they had been killed and their bodies were hidden um, along a, a local walking path in, in Concord near their home. The state has now, as you mentioned, charged a 27-year-old man itinerant man named Logan Clegg with their murder and uh, with trying to hide evidence of the crime. Investigators basically said that, you know, Clegg gave a fake name to police when they encountered him while searching for the reeds. He, you know, burned one of his campsites in the area um, and then he fled to Vermont, uh, where he was ultimately arrested months later in connection with these crimes. Um, Police said that when they found him, he had a fake Romanian passport on his body, a one-way ticket out of the country, $7,000 in cash, and a gun that they said matched the the bullets that killed the Reeds. Now, what did you hear from both sides during opening statements on Tuesday? Yeah, so the prosecutors basically said, you know, Logan Clegg is the one and only person who is responsible for killing the Reeds. Uh, They did say that they're not going to present a motive. So there's there's no sort of backstory about why he might have done it. Um, they said Clegg killed the Reeds and, and, as I mentioned, dragged their bodies off the path, hiding them and then and then fleeing to Vermont, where he was questioned by police. The defense said that the state has the wrong person. And the defense lawyer said that uh, New Hampshire police were correct to investigate Clegg for sort of all of the suspicious behavior that I've already mentioned, but that he had nothing to do with killing them. And they said that you know, his suspicious behavior was linked to a probation violation. He had stolen some guns and broken into a store in Utah um, and so was on probation in that state, left the state, and so was in violation of that. And that's why he would want to conceal his um, identity from the police and, okay. and flee after they um, had had questioned him. And, you know, the defense also said that they there's no direct evidence um, connecting Clegg to the crime. They weren't able to find DNA. 
day, and they basically said the state is is overstating the connection with the ballistics and and the gun that they found on Clegg. I'll be watching for more of your reporting on that. Um, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani was in the state this week. He filed a defamation lawsuit this week in New Hampshire against President Joe Biden for comments that he made back in 2020. Josh, just briefly, what comments and why was Giuliani in New Hampshire? Well, the comments came during a debate in Nashville when uh, then-candidate Biden referred to um, Giuliani as a Russian pawn. Um, Giuliani says that's defamatory, cost him millions of dollars. Um, why he's filing the suit in New Hampshire isn't entirely clear. Um, you know, he, he his lawyer, Bill O'Brien, former House Speaker, claims that New Hampshire um, filing here will allow him to collect for damages in every mm-hmm. state, essentially, where, where this utterance was broadcast, which would have been across the country because it came place during a televised debate. Um, you know, I haven't really gotten to the legal weeds. Rudy Giuliani did come to Concord. It was a weird scene. Um, you know, this comes at a time when he's lost his law license, is facing defamation, judgment of his own against Georgia election workers. IRS has put a lien on a condo he owns in Florida. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's and, um, you know, and, and also in the wake of The New York Times publishing a long article talking about his drinking problems, Giuliani vehemently denied those on uh, in, in Concord. But, you know, he's seeking a jury trial on the defamation case and um, unspecified damages okay. from the president and many political committees. All right. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks, Josh. NHPR's Josh Rogers and the Boston Globe's Amanda Goki. Thank you both so much for coming in today. You're welcome. Thanks, Rick. You can find more of their work and all the stories that we talked about this morning at nhpr.org and bostonglobe.com slash New Hampshire. This is Morning Edition on NHPR.